0: The Lord be with you. Amen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried, and from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad but now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. He said, oh no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, "If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead." The Gospel of the Lord. Yeah, this is a, yeah, it's a great it's a great little um, parable. I have. Um, some memories from uh, from Rome and uh, the the station churches. You make your way through Lent to, to different churches in in Rome, like every day. And um, I I won't make further comments. I'm likely to 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 mess it up. But um, I remember uh, hearing almost the same homily every year from one particular cardinal. Yeah, so. I've probably already said too much there, okay, so if I don't show up tomorrow, you know what you know, you know what happened um, yeah, okay, so I gotta move on, okay, so yeah, keep going then, just go for it um it's it's a great this is a great parable uh and uh very, very significant. I think you know we need to we need to uh situate it in in its context right this this is the tough thing. Uh, skipping, skipping around the Gospels in Lent to kind of catch a theme, it's, it's not always the easiest thing to do, because we say, you just keep plucking it out, pluck it out, like, what is, what does it look like? So, I mean, from, on the surface, it's like, okay, yeah, it's, it's rich and poor, and, and there is, there is enough of that, and especially in this chapter, you know, we're in chapter 16, um, I mean, Jesus is making it, Jesus is making it clear in this kind of phase of of the Gospel that. the love of, of riches is the root of all evil. Now he's like, you know, it's not ex- it's not exactly that, but it's it's enough of that. And he's saying, okay, the Pharisee, the indictment that he that he um, that he uh, that he issues to the to the Pharisees is that they love money. So you always hearing this, like, they're lovers of money, they're lovers of money, and it, it, that's very telling, I think, right? Like, there that's a lot to say about someone that they love money. I mean, you get you actually get some sense that the um, some sense of their character just by the vir- just by virtue of the fact that it's saying they they're lovers of money, and you go wait a second, but they're like, aren't they like religio political rulers or they're or they're like religious kind of pressure group kind of thing? And it's like yeah, but they love money, they're lovers of money. Uh, th- anyway, this is this is the indictment. So, so as nice to say, you know, if you want to take the passage on its uh, just on its say most superficial level, then I think. You know, we can we can read this um, riches and poverty, and then also there is this reversal of fortunes. You know, and this is this is a that that's a kind of pretty common. Um, it's a pretty common moral of, of of stories like this around the time of Jesus. So there's nothing terribly special about that. But when we look at when we look at Jesus and say, okay, well this is this is the stuff of of parable. Jesus is giving voice to his kingdom proclamation then we start to open up the thing and say, okay, there's, there's actually much more going on. So when we get, when we get to the end, you know, you, you have this sense, okay, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead, right? So what, what's happening um, around Jesus at this time? And this is, you know, just, just shortly uh, after in the gospel, uh, Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal son, right, where it's this brother of yours was dead, and is now alive okay and and what did what did that apply to it applied to the people that Jesus was gathering to himself right the lost that were being found by Jesus who were being called to God's into God's kingdom they were they were coming under the rule of God as as it was being enacted by Jesus so they're receiving healing and strength and hope and life and the rest and there's this big party going on and of course, all the people who you would otherwise expect to be in the party say, okay, well that's a religious thing, like this is a religious thing that's going on with Jesus. And so the, the religious people, you would expect also to be joining that party, except they're the ones who find themselves on the outside. And it's, it's the ones who don't look all that pious, whose hearts are being turned over to God in the ministry of Jesus, that are being caught up in this celebration. And that's, that is a death to life celebration. Right. And when someone and when someone rises from the dead, you celebrate it, don't you? you, know, you don't know. You don't rise from the dead. Okay, so you do celebrate it. We do celebrate it because we you know, we marked it, we have marked it every Sunday since. Right? Someone rises from the dead, you you reorder your life around it for at least two thousand years. That's what we've done. Okay, so that's a big deal. But that's happening around them, right? Dead people are coming to life, and they're coming to life. Like as it relates to the fulfillment of the law, as it relates to Moses and the prophets, that's how they're coming to life. Right, this is, Jesus is the fulfillment of of Moses and the prophets. Right, so that's all playing out in front of them. They're nowhere to be found, or or they're on the scene and they're opposing it. The Pharisees, right. So this the parable is working in that direction. Right. Once you have once you have that that key to to unlock the door, the whole the whole thing is is right there for you like who who's who and the like. Yeah this is this is about this is about the Pharisees. There was a rich man, right? They said Jesus said to the Pharisees, I should have said. There's an easier way to get into this, you know. Jesus said to the Pharisees, there was a rich man who dressed in purple garments. No one wears purple garments these days and uh, my linen ran out. So this is actually cotton. I'm I'm glad to be I'm glad to be off the hook today, but you know, he dined sumptuously each day. So this this he wrapped up his own, in his own stuff. And he's been given everything. He's wrapped up in his own stuff. He can't see the person at the he can't see the person at the door. Right. So what is what is the great stuff that he's been given? It's Moses and the prophets. He's been given the law. He's got the land. He you know, he's every every good gift besides. He's got the temple. You know, and, and none of that's enough to to have him not say realize his riches and the fact that He's he's made to to um, he he's receiving what God is giving in order to be a conduit of what God is giving, right? So it's like this this hoarding to oneself of everything that that God gives versus the, the life of generosity that Jesus is living. Okay, now we we get to the end and say okay. Neither will be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. And we also know, of course, Jesus is going to rise from the dead. Are they going to be persuaded? It's an open question. Because the, because the question then goes, how deeply committed are they to the law, to the law and the prophets? Right, that's, I mean, that's a, it's, it's, it's a bit of a frightful um, turn, right? They have, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. I say, no, Father Abraham. No, oh, no. Someone should rise from the dead, right? It's like... How 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 deep is that commitment to the law and the prophets? Right? It doesn't it doesn't seem that deep, yeah. So again, we we we'll go for us um, for ourselves here and say we let the parable work for us in any in any on any number of levels, but we want to be acutely aware of what God gives in order that we might return love for love. Right, we have to return. Gratitude, thanksgiving for what God gives everything we everything we have and everything we are, and then part of that say that grateful offering becomes service, or at least becomes the um, in the uh, the the primer the priming of the pump for service. To say, yeah, this, I'm living a life of 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 grace. Of, this is this is gratitude. Everything I everything I have is a gift from God. I have to give myself away, also as as gift. And, and here the application of the thing, again, comes down to the, the way to your things, as Jesus says. The way to your things of the law, justice, mercy, righteousness, right? So are we, are we keen on justice or are we not? Are we keen on mercy or are we not? So this is the challenge is to be, we, we're growing in love of God and of neighbor. We're growing in holiness and we're growing in justice but there's a revolution being affected all the while. So it's not as though I can say to you, okay, go and endeavor to do the justice stuff and the holiness stuff. And then you go back to your your own little place and you say, okay, well this is the amount of time that I have and this is the amount of energy that I have and I'm gonna apportion it here and there and It's not like that. Because when the Spirit comes, everything changes. When Jesus is on the scene, everything changes. I'm not going to say, like, our time is supernatural. I know we like to talk about, we like to talk this way sometimes. Like, my time is supernaturalized. Like, Jesus is on the scene, so I can do, like, you know, I can do, like, 10 full-time jobs. You know, like, I'm ready to do, I'm ready to do everything. I never even need to sleep. I don't even, I don't even need to eat anymore. Do you know, like, this, this is not the kind of thing. When Jesus is on the scene, everything changes. Yeah, so it's, and, and this, and this is a matter of also our, coming into the kingdom through the gate. And it's Jesus to say, he is the one who's leading. He's the one who's guiding. So it's, it's his will, his work that we are about. And that changes everything. Because it's no longer our work, our will. It's no longer our effort, right? We're putting it all in. Am I seeing a return? I'm not even, it's God's, it's God's. And it's ours then to trust and follow Jesus on the way in order to affect what God wants to affect, in order to play our part, however big or small that is, in His plan. It's not, it's not my plan. Right? So he's, he's working out, He's doing it and the rest. And then we recognize that my, my place in God's plan is in fact a mercy to me. Even if I'm the one who is being called to pour myself out you know, w- without, without reserve, without hesitation, the rest, and I'm growing into that, and I find myself to be, yeah, this is, this is really challenging stuff, to be a vehicle of God's mercy, but that actually is the mercy to me, right? That's the grace to me. So my blessing, and when I say my, I mean you, of course, I hope we realize this, you know, this is not like, a, I'm on an ego trip here, you know, he's like, always talking about himself. Okay, so, yeah, when my blessing is to be a blessing, that's the life of a Christian. It's, it's not the life of a Christian to be blessed. um, The rich man here is the one who's blessed and Lazarus is not But but the story should be written and and the Christian story is written With the one the one who is given is giving himself away the one who's receiving is giving away So then it's not about the real blessing then to recognize right and and the participation in the radical generosity of God is that we become a blessing and if you, look at, if you look at what, you can find a little hint of this. I love this piece in the parable. You've heard it a million times before. I love this little piece in the parable in terms of like what it looks like to pour ourselves out as a blessing for others related to the blessing that it is for ourselves. What does the rich man, he said, he cries out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am suffering torment in these flames. And I dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. There's not a lot of, say, transfer of grace, but that is the blessing. Right? So we're, we're blessed beyond measure. And our recognition of that has to look like service. Right? And, and what we're being called to do is only a tiny little fraction. It's a tiny little drop of what God is doing for us. And we do it joyfully and gratefully because, because of who God is to us and who we know God to be. And the fact that, of course, he, you know the, the spirit of, of God is being breathed into our hearts and lives and animating and sustaining us in the work of charity, in the work of mercy uh, that we are here today uh, called to be about.